God is good? All the time? Now, that's not just a statement I want to start my sermon with, like Pastor is saying, it's a very spiritual thing to motivate you. But it's really true. Because yesterday I was on a Gojek or grab bike, and we were passing a turn. But you know how it is in Jakarta. Uh, motorbikes, they feel like they own the road. So the guy was going fast, and then there was a, a car about to turn, and I would have been hit. So God is good, amen? Mm, okay, you're not convinced. This morning... I was turning to Pacific Place, the same thing. Now, I was the one driving, but there was somebody riding a bike, and I almost hit them. I say, God is good. Oh. <laughs> All right, no problem. I'm going to disrupt your, uh, your non-amens this morning. Disruptive living, part number three. Pastor Sam has already done a good job laying a foundation about the life, the man, Elijah. What does Elijah mean? Elijah means... God is Yahweh. Elijah is basically saying God two times. God is Yahweh. That's what Elijah means. And he was so disruptive to the people of Israel that he had to leave. And that's where we pick up the story of Elijah as he's moving away from Israel because he cannot live in Israel because people see him as a troubler. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to be looking at verse number 17. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse number 17. 1 Kings 17 and verse number 17. When you got to say amen. Amen. All right. Something is happening. It's a disruption going on here, but whatever it is. The word is going to go out. Amen, somebody? What's going on? Your amens, you left them at home, right? <laughs> Bring them here this morning. We need them in this spot. Not because you want to hype up the preacher, but because you need to agree with God about the things he's saying in your life. Amen, somebody? Okay. All right. We're good. We're good. All right. Verse 17 says, After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house became ill and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. Pause, pause, pause. The mother's child is dead. She's carrying him in her hands. She comes to Elijah, carrying a dead body, and Elijah says, give him to me. Somebody, something, somebody is dying right now, and God is saying, bring it over. So Elijah says, watch this. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid on him. On his own bed. Elijah laid the bed on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord. Oh Lord my God. Have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Elijah has a question for God. Perhaps you do too. And then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord. Oh Lord my God. Let this child's life come to him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. 
And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And if you stay with me today, you're going to revive again too. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, right here, this is the servant. Now I know that you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Let us pray. Mighty God, here I am. Please help me to do what I can for your people, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you heard of the region beta paradox? Anybody? Somebody? Nobody? All right. The region beta paradox, it was designed by Dan Gilbert, a psychologist out of Harvard. And he, he named it the region beta paradox because of the regions on the model. If you can see uh, the three letters, those are Greek letters, alpha, beta, gamma. So this is what the region beta paradox is all about. Suppose your office is one kilometer away. Most of you are not going to waste your money on Gojek or grab bike. You're going to walk because it's so close. And that's what he calls region alpha. But suppose that your office has decided that because we want to save money, we're going to move our office from Kuningan, where you live, all the way to Mampang, which is a little bit farther. So you now realize a kilometer has turned into five kilometers. Therefore, because there's been a change, you will actually move faster to the new office because you're going to get you a car to get you there a little bit faster. What's the point? The region beta paradox says, when things become worse for you, the more you rise up to the occasion and handle them. And some of you are suffering from the region beta paradox this morning. Because the, 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 the boss has told you that the report is due on Monday, and it is Friday, and Sabbath is coming after that, and Sunday after that, instead of you going out with your friends, what you're going to do to respond and rise up to the challenge is that you're going to spend the whole weekend working to meet the deadline of the report. And somebody's right there this morning. You're in church, but you're wondering, man, I got to get home and start working on this report. And you're counting the Sabbath hours because you want to make sure that you do the report. A student is right there this morning. The test is on Tuesday. You have not been studying. You've been traveling. But you know the test is coming. And so beginning tonight, Sunday night, Monday night, you're going to be cramming to make sure that you meet the deadline for the test. And I'm sure teacher Kresge can, uh, can, can, can test to that. That some students don't prepare on time. They prepare too late. Perhaps the doctor has told you the blood pressure is too high. And so now, because you want to respond to the fact that the blood pressure is too high, you do not even look at KFC anymore. You pass by the martabak because you're concerned about your health. In other words, what this concept says, when things become bad and when things become worse, you actually do better 
and you do greater. Now, now listen, you see the, the screen, what's happening right here? It keeps going on and off, right? This is a region beta paradox for me right now. I prepare for my slides. Everything was ready, but you know what happened? I forgot to give the media team the slides. So they're trying to make sure that the slides can be seen by people online. You can see them, but people online cannot see them. So what does a preacher do? The, the, the slides keep going on and off. I will not stop preaching. I'll rise up to the occasion and preach even if I don't have notes. Because notes do not limit me. That is the region beta paradox. But I, I wish you guys could stop messing with the slides so I can actually preach. Amen. All right. If, if they don't have them online, you know what? We'll, we'll figure it out another way. Just, just, just leave it be. It's all right. We'll figure it out. Sometimes in life, things need to get bad enough before you're forced to take action. And the text that we are studying today in the life of Elijah is framed in the region beta paradox. Because Elijah has been at the brook Kareth. Ravens have been coming, feeding him. Water has been flowing, hydrating him. But God on purpose decides to tell the, 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 the ravens to park themselves on the runway and not to fly to Elijah. And God says, you are not going to drink any more water from the brook Kareth on purpose. And so Elijah is, is thrown into the region beta paradox and he has no other option but to respond to the, to the worst situation by moving from Kareth all the way to Zarephath. The first thing I want to tell you this morning is that God uses disruption to initiate movement in your life. Who? Thomas is going to get it in a minute. You see, God understands. Unless Zedekiah, he shakes things up, you're never going to get up. You see, God sometimes allows your comfort to run out without a top-up option. Your grab saddle runs out, you top it up. Your pulse runs out, you top it up. But sometimes God designs things in a way that he makes it run out. And there is no option to top it up, even if you have the resources to top it up. Sometimes God allows a new administration to come into the company and change the leave policy. Because they say you're too comfortable. Sometimes a new administration comes into power. And it is coming in Indonesia. Perhaps with this new administration, they're going to tighten up the taxes. And that's going to make you uncomfortable. And I want you to understand that's God's way of saying, hey, let's not stay right here. Let's keep moving. Perhaps for some of y'all, God has allowed him or her to start ghosting you. You keep texting. You keep calling. They don't call back. They, they don't respond. And you're like, God, save my relationship. God, please do something. I got to say, I ain't doing nothing about that. I need you to get out of this situation. And so I'm telling somebody this morning, don't ask God to top it up. Ask God for the new address. Hmm. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Don't ask God to give it back. Don't ask God to bring her back. Don't ask God to give you the job back. No, just ask God, 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 where do you want me to go now? Demana. Where do you want me to go now? And some of you, God bless your heart. You come to me, Pastor, pray for my family, pray for my job. What you're really asking God is, God, please top it up. 
I like it here. It's nice here. I don't want to change location. I don't want to start over. I've invested so much time, God. I don't want to go nowhere. Please, Lord. And God is saying to you and me, through me, he ain't topping it up. You got to go to the new address. You see, people who have matured in faith understand the critical difference between a rest area and the final destination. It was two years ago. I was coming from Sokano Hatta International Airport. It was about 11.30. If you know me, I like to be in bed by 9 or 10. But it's 11.30. I'm behind the wheel. The wheel. And I'm driving. And so my, my eyes started to play the open and close game. You know the open and close game? On the tow road. And my head was following suit. The open and close game. Open and close game. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, am I going to survive to preach this week? I was that tired. And so I found a little, like, like a little shoulder on, on, the, on, on the tollway, just a little space. And I decided to, to, to pull over and to rest because I decided, you know what? I don't want to play the open and close game. I just want to play the close game and be out. Five minutes into my close game maneuver. It was a police officer knocking over my door. And I said, I opened, I opened the window. He says, Pa, jangan, jangan, not here. Move ahead. I said, no, no, I, I'm so tired. He says, doodles, Pa. Straight ahead. Don't stop right here. And so the message to God from God to somebody, is straight ahead. Not right here. God, you don't understand. I've just been promoted. God, you don't understand. The kids, they like this new location. God, you don't understand. This company is going to elevate me to the next level. I, I know I don't have the degree yet. I know I don't have the PhD yet. God's message to you is straight Ahead. God, you know, me and him, me and her, we like the Transformer series. Like, we, we just understand each other when, when, when we watch Transformers. In fact, we like to eat Buburo Manado from Taiwan Restaurant. The only thing I'm worried about is sometimes I go to church, he doesn't come to church. The only thing I'm worried about is when I pray, he doesn't really like to pray or she doesn't really like to pray. God's message to you is straight ahead. He's not going to debate with you. He's not going to argue with you. And that's what he needed Elijah to understand. Elijah, carry this over. It is dried up. We've got to take a step and go to the next direction. Because if you do not move in your life, things are not going to get better. Help me with the slides, please. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> See, most of us are struggling because we want two things at the same time. We want two things at the same time. Let me tell you what I mean. You want to go to work, but you want to, to be with the kids. 
You want to be a provider, but you want to love on your wife. You want to tell the truth, but you want to save their emotions. You want to invest the money, but you know that there is bills, conflict. And many of us are struggling between two things. You know what you really want. You know how you should go. But there is a tug on you. And listen to me, child of God. You will never move ahead if you want two things at the same time. They just got to come a point in your life that now is time to study. I'm going to turn off the phone and I'm not going to be distracted. It's about this right now. Now it is time for me to get healthy. I'm not going to go to those favorite restaurants anymore. I'm going to focus on eating healthy. Now it's time for me to be a man. I'm going to stand up for myself, make decisions for myself. It is now time for me to love on my wife. It's not going to be work and wife anymore. It's going to be wife. It's going to be wife. There's got to be a moment in our lives when we say, you know what? I'm focused and I'm decided that this is the way in which I'm going. Thank you, Slice, for coming back. Let me tell you about two kinds of movements. There is movement that allows you to go forward. Everybody say forward. And then there is movement that allows you to go deep. Everybody say deep. You guys don't want to go deep this morning. One more time, deep. So when God is initiating movement in your life, he's either asking you to go forward or he's saying, let's go deeper. So let me go deeper. Notice the brook dries up. And so God says to Elijah, Elijah, let's go to Zarephath. That is forward movement. When he gets to Zarephath, he performs the miracle. But after the miracle of the oil and the flour, if you were not here in in, in last week's sermon, a child dies. But God doesn't say to Elijah, Elijah, let's go. In fact, God says to Elijah, he didn't say anything to him. Elijah didn't have to move anywhere. I hope you saw it, but let me just try to help you to understand. In Kerith, a brook dried up. Death. When he gets to Zarephath, a kid dies. Death. So in two situations, we have a disruption in the life of Elijah. One time, his food is no longer there. At another time, the woman he's staying with, so hospitable to him, her child is dead. But his reaction is different. And I'm saying that he reacts in two ways. He takes a step. And he decides to go deeper. Here's a question for somebody. Pastor, I get you. Forward movement, downward movement. When do I know it is forward movement? This is how you know. When it has dried up. When it has dried up, it means it's time to go forward. Write it down. Text it. I don't know. When it's dry. Move forward. You can't renew it. Move forward. You can't get back in the relationship. Move forward. The contracts are gone. Move forward. The market has shifted. Move forward. It's no longer analog. It is digital. Move forward. It's no longer books. It's online. Move forward. When it is dry, that's a signal to you. It's time to go 
forward. You and I got to be masters of patterns and trends. We've got to be able to say, it is not that way anymore. I used to do it in 2023. I used to do it in 2022. 2024 is not the same. That's God's way of saying it's, it's, it's different. We got to move forward. We need a new strategy. We need a new plan. We need a new strategic action if we're going to respond to this season. Some of you are so in love with what works. You're so in love with what you know. But God sometimes says, what you love is not serving you. What you love is making you lose. Right now, if you want to win, we got to go forward. Amen to you, Jesus. Amen to nobody. <laughs> but then the question is, how do you know? When it's a subterranean movement. In other words, how do you know when it's time to go deep? Notice what happens in the story. The woman's child is dead. So what does she do? She brings the child to Elijah. And Elijah says, I can do something for you. So in other words, Elijah was an answer. Everybody say answer. So if you need to go deeper, you need to ask yourself the question, can I solve my boss's dipping profits? Do I really have the answer for this? If you do, go deeper. My kids are misbehaving. They never listen to me. But once I was also misbehaving, and I learned how to listen to my parents, but also get my way. You need to go deeper. My friends are having arguments in their relationship. I also used to have arguments in my relationship. I figured out that if we can use the daily temperature reading, and I'm giving you something free right now. You better take it whether you like it or not. I learned the daily temperature reading, meaning when I communicate with my spouse, I need to talk about five things. One thing I'm grateful for, one thing that they do not know, one thing that I'm puzzled by, one thing that I wish to accomplish. I need to tell them these things on a daily basis. I learned that. My friends don't know that. And I have the answer. So go deeper if you are the answer. But if you're not the answer, you don't know what to do. It's God's way of saying, hey man, hey sister, hey brother, hey Abang, hey Kaka, hey Ko, hey auntie, let's move forward. The second thing I need to tell you this morning is that a season of success can lead to a season of disruption. In verse 17, the woman had just experienced miracles from God. Can you imagine? She was able to eat and she was able to survive in a famine because Elijah was there giving her oil and wine. I'm um, oil and not wine, oil and flour. She was able to bake and, and, and survive. But right after that, notice this. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house became ill and he died. And here's something I need to tell somebody. Miracles are not a life insurance from misery. Hmm. 
Grace doesn't mean that you never suffer trouble. Victory doesn't mean that you never be a victim. After a great move of God, you can actually suffer great disappointment. And somebody's right there this morning. You worked so hard for the promotion. But as soon as you got the promotion, somebody you loved died. You worked hard for the course. And you graduated. In fact, you knew where you'd be working. You, you, you interned at the company. But somehow, because there's been an economic downturn, things haven't worked out as you wish, the company closed down and you don't have any, any option. You don't know where to go. And you're telling yourself, God, it's not how I planned it. I was supposed to graduate, and then I was supposed to be on an upper trajectory. My career was supposed to survive. Some of you, you saved yourself for marriage. But you got married, and now you're told you can't have kids. Not how you envisioned it. So sometimes after a miraculous season, you can go through misery, and yet you trust in God. You see, but I need you to understand that sometimes things will just become worse and worse and worse and worse. And it, it, it can even be in a situation in which people look at you like you, you have it all together. Let me help you to understand the story of the woman for a second. Notice what the text says, Harry, that this woman, she owned a house. She was a widow with a house. And you will look at that and say, wow, her life is good. At least she has a place to stay. She's a widow, yes. But no, this is a sad note in the text. Because to own a house as a woman, it meant that you have no male protector. It meant that you have no father. You have no brother. But there was a, how do I put it? There was a little bit of a, a hack to your situation if you're a widow. And that is if you had a son who was young, you would raise him up so that when he's old enough, he takes over the duties in the house and he becomes your protector and your provider. So this woman is looking at her son as the option. He is the opportunity. But the opportunity dies. What do you do when the opportunity, the only opportunity, becomes an obituary? What do you do when your only hope slips away? What do you do when that contract was going to take you over the top, but somebody else who doesn't need the contract gets the contract? What do you do when you've been waiting for the transplant, but yet there are no donors available, and the one donor that you're expecting to be available dies? What do you do? And this is the story of this woman, that her only opportunity is an obituary. And somebody's there this morning, struggling to figure it out and to understand. God, where do I go now? <laughs> it's gone. How do I do this, Lord? I'm out of options. I don't have answers, Lord. Let me tell you the third thing. 
that will help you in this situation when you don't know what you do, what to do. Your interpretation of the disruption is more important than the disruption itself. Amen, somebody? Mm, you don't get it yet, so let me help you to understand. Clarity only comes after the conversation. Because what happens to us is that when tragedy strikes, we create stories. And we start to feel as if our story is correct. We, 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 we build a narrative. <clears throat> yeah, this and that and this. But let me help you to understand. Clarity only comes after the conversation as I learned from this, this uh, resolution uh, expert, Marlene Kism. She said, you will never understand it until you have the conversation. You never understand it until you go through it. You never understand it until the person has died. You never understand it until the job is gone. You never understand it until the relationship is no longer there. You will never understand it in the moment. You only understand it in the season. The woman comes to Elijah. Elijah, what's up, brother? I treated you nicely. Is this how you're going to pay me back? Have you come to, to, to really put it to me that I'm a sinner? And you have taken my son. Elijah, I don't understand. So that was her story. That God is mean to me. That this man is, is mean to me. That this man is trying to take me out. That was her story. But here's a funny thing. Elijah had the same story too. He goes to God. God, listen. Uh, you took me from Kerith. I had to walk. I came to Zarephath. I did a miracle. I, I did what you told me to do. I did not stay where you want me to stay. But now, God, you have brought me to bring disaster. So Elijah is crying out to God. But notice what he did. He asked God a question. But after asking God a question, what did he do? Elijah, he prayed. He had a question, but he turned his question into a prayer. In other words, he's saying, it is not clear for me right now, but I believe and I understand it's going to become clear when I talk to God about it. Amen, somebody. You don't understand it, I know. You don't get it, I know. But please hear me now. God has the answers. Amen, somebody. Uh, the newspapers ain't going to give you the answer. IG ain't going to do it. TikTok ain't going to do it. Your wife ain't going to do it. Your husband ain't going to do it. It's going to be when you say, God, God, help me out. Help me to understand this situation. Help me to be able to go forward because if you do not do that, I don't know, I cannot make it. You see, disruptive living is about following answers where answers lead you. It's about following the questions to the answers. No matter what you find out. No matter what you understand. Some of you have been questioning about God's character. You think God is judgmental. God is mean. You had that idea in 2015. It's 2024. You still think the same thing about God. Come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's, let's, let's move along. We can't be thinking about the same thing and keep staying to the same stories when God is giving us so many resources to uncover. Somebody's asking God, I'm never loved. <laughs> Every relationship doesn't work out. Perhaps it's time to go deeper. God, why is it 
that any time I start something, I never finish it. I was going to use language that I shouldn't use, so I'm going to just blot that out. <laughs> the subtle art of giving, mm, you know that book. Some of us, we like to give. <laughs> when God is saying, can we get a little bit closer? Can we move somewhere? The sad story this week, how anger, I said it right. This DJ, he lost his boy. As he was washing his boy, he was just going to do the, the ritual of washing, and then after washing him, he was going to bury him. But then as he's washing his boy, Dante, the young boy, man, just, just the life is gone. He said, wait a minute, there, there, is, there is something going on here. We need to do an autopsy to find out what has taken the life of my son. And that's what I want to tell somebody this morning. Can you do an autopsy on your questions? Can you really uncover what is going on? So that you can truly come to a better understanding of what God does and who God is. And so that you don't always live on assumptions, but you actually live on facts and truth. You don't always stick to what people tell you, but you actually get in the books. You actually talk to God. You actually do something and say, you know what? I'm standing on this because I know. I understand it. The last thing. I'm going to be quick. The musicians can be coming. We're done. You see, here's, here's, here's the takeaway today. The disruption reveals a home for your dreams. The disruption reveals a home for your dreams. You see, the Bible says after the woman, the woman's child was healed, brought back to life. The woman said to Elijah, Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God. And the word in your mouth is true. See, Erevo, in Israel, Elijah was considered a troubler and a disruptor. <laughs> so God says, Elijah, everyone in Israel calls you a, dis a disruptor and a troubler. You are in Brook Kerith. The ravens are feeding you because you're a troubler and a disruptor. You can't even make food for yourself. You can't even order gold food. You have to depend on animals to feed you. He goes to Zarephath. And there, the woman's child dies. He's feeling disruptive and a troubler. But when he heals the woman's son, he doesn't hear that he's a trouble or disruptor. He hears that he's a life giver. The first time in his life that Elijah heard that he had made the right career move was not from a king in Israel. It was not his parents. It was a widow in Zarephath. She gave him a home for his dreams. She said, Elijah, you have chosen to serve God and it is a good thing, and I can testify to that. You are a man of God. You are a prophet. And so some of you are troubled. Why is God moving my life? Why are things not working out? Because where you are is not a home for your dreams. Where you are, you'll never be supported. Where you are, there's never going to be affirmation. It's only going to come when you say, I'm going to go to Zarephath. 
Home is not where the heart is. Home is where your dreams can live. You're trying to start the business, but your family always shoots it down. Forget your family, go somewhere else. Straight up. You're trying to start the, the pro project. Your friends say, ah, it's not going to work out. Go somewhere else. Why well, don't support me? Don't worry about it. Go somewhere else. My husband, oh, he always shoots it down. It doesn't matter. Go somewhere else. Because what that is telling you is that that is not a home for your dreams. And here's something else. I'm done right here. Home doesn't always mean going away to Zarephath. It simply means coming to a new understanding. That is the woman's story. Because he came to a new understanding that this is a man of God. This is a true savior. He's not like the other prophets. We're going to talk about them next week. He's not like the other prophets who want me for money. He's here to save and to serve and to help me to be better. He's a true prophet. She got a new understanding. And therefore she was home. Somebody's far away today. You are not home. You're trying to make a home in a place that doesn't support you. God is saying, let's go to Zarephath. Some of you are in a place where your ideas don't make sense. You don't see God the right way. You think other things. God is saying, let's go home today. I simply came to tell you today, let us go home. Anybody ready to go home today? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Ready to go home? Let me see your hands. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Mighty God, thank you because you are God and you're good. That will never change no matter what changes around us. Your sons and your daughters have raised their hands to, to say that they want to go home. And I'm simply standing with them to say, we are going home. Please guide us, Lord, and lead us, oh Father. For this I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.